And I am joined now by the host of Locked On Network's flagship football program. And in addition to hosting the Locked On NFL podcast, he was a scout at the University of Pittsburgh as well as the University of Akron. He was with the Cleveland Browns and formerly with ESPN. Now you can find his work on NDT Scouting as well as Fansided. He is Matt Williamson at Williamson NFL on Twitter. Matt, thanks for joining me today. Absolutely, man. I mean, we made this happen pretty quick. I forget what his name was, but someone on Twitter said, you and Travis need to get together and do a joint show. And I'm like, I'm in. You're in. Let's do it. And I did one similar earlier in the week with Locked on Bears. And so let's talk fins. Oh, good deal, man. I, I've been asked, I think, two or three times now to have you on. So I'm glad we finally made it work. And it happened. Uh, our schedules just lined up perfectly. So let's go ahead and get into it. Yeah, Absolutely. All right, cool. And as I told you off the air, and the guests are well aware of this, uh, or my listeners are well aware of this, I should say, I'm a bit behind on the college uh, scouting aspect of the offseason. I've essentially been locked in my lab up here in my house uh, with Game Pass and Excel sheets doing some self-scouting on the Dolphins, identifying team needs and that type of thing. So luckily we have people like you that we can bring on to do the heavy lifting on the draft front. So I'd love to get your thoughts on what you'd like to see the Dolphins do on draft day from pick 11 and throughout the positions of need. in the end of April. So does that sound good for you? Yeah, absolutely. We'll talk a couple prospects. Um, I'm actually much more pro than college, but I just got back from the combine and I'm digging in pretty heavy with my college stuff too. And I can certainly talk about the guys at the top of the draft. Well, that's, that's ex- excellent to hear. So let's go ahead and get into that. But first, before I do that, Matt, I want to ask you just kind of a quick primer here. I mean, Adam Gaze, you go from almost a coach of the year candidate one year to a guy that half the fan base wants fired now all of a sudden, as, as insane as that sounds. But he's in year he's in year three now. He's 32 and 32, 32 and 33 if you count the postseason. And I just want to get a quick opinion from you on how you view Adam Gaze as well as the Dolphins roster as a whole. Yeah, I really liked the hiring. You know, when they, when they brought him over from Chicago, I really think that he – has shown, at least pre-Miami, to maximize the quarterback position. And I kind of give an incomplete grade, to be honest with you. And I'm not you know, dancing around your, your question, but I'd love to see him and Tannehill play 25 games in a row together. You know, I mean, to throw Cutler in there the way they did, off the street, out of the booth. And frankly, I thought he played really poorly, and his supporting cast didn't help. But... I don't think that's a fair way to judge the head coach because the head coach was brought in for a specific reason, really, in my opinion, was save Tannehill, develop quarterback. Well, the guy's never on the field. Yeah, exactly. He hasn't been. And when Brian Tannehill has been on the field, Adam Gates has a 62 winning percentage or a 620, however you want to phrase that. And without him, he's below 500. So it kind of tells you, you know, anytime a team loses a starting quarterback, it's going to be tough. So, I mean, here we are, Tannehill going into the year with the banged-up knee, obviously. That's still a question mark. But let's go ahead and get into the juicy stuff, the thing that everybody wants to talk about, and it is the quarterbacks. There is more smoke than I care to even remember revolving around the Dolphins right now regarding Baker Mayfield, possibly even Josh Rosen or Josh Allen. So my question for you, Matt, is, is this just smoke and mirrors? And if not, who is the guy you think the Dolphins should go after? And would he be a major upgrade over Ryan Tannehill? That's a good question because... This is an odd team, and maybe even before we get into that, one thing I really wanted to bring up with you, and this even stems from the Quinn trade, more than any team in the league, I, well, less than any team in the league, I understand how Miami uses their money. I, I mean, to me, <laughs> that, that, you know, like, I really like Robert Quinn, 
but they have a lot of needs, and defensive line really isn't one of them, yeah. and he's expensive. You know, like, that's just one example. But I just went to spot track, and I pulled up their cap hits for this year, and it's rather unbelievable of the number of guys that eat up so much cap, and by no means, if you add those players up, are you getting your money's worth? And you've probably done this. I apologize. I don't know if you have or not. But I want my listeners to hear this. These are the cap hits starting from top to bottom on this team right now. And I want all you guys out there listening to say, are they worth that? Namakong Su, $26 million. Now, I don't blame that. I mean, you knew that was coming. He's a tremendous player. Tannehill, over $19 million. Again, I don't have a problem with that. Quarterbacks cost money. We're about to talk Tannehill. I'm a Tannehill fan. I'm a believer. Landry right now is almost $16 million. Rashad Jones is almost $12 million. A good player. Robert Quinn, who they just added, is right around 11 and a half. So just the, those five guys are a crazy amount. Andre Branch, $10 million. Kenny Stills, just under $10 million. Kiko Alonso, 9 ish Juwan James, nine-ish. Mike Pouncey, nine-ish. Cameron Wake, 8.6. Lawrence Timmons, 8.2. Julius Thomas, 6.8. Who's going to get cut? So I just rattled off 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 players. And of that group, I would say three or four of them are really good at what they do. But they're eating up a crazy amount of cap space with those 13 guys. It's really pretty crazy when you consider the fact that they will go out and spend money on these guys that, like, for instance, last year, Kiko and Andre Branch both had one year in Miami. They both played okay. And then they go out and they get these massive contract extensions that nobody else would have given them. And then you have, obviously, a guy like Jarvis Landry who's done the right things for four years. He's been ultra-productive, hasn't missed a game. He said all the right things, and they won't pay him. So that's why Dolphins fans are pretty frustrated in terms of what the roster building is. And like you said, there is no real rhyme or reason. And it goes back to Mike Tannenbaum's days with the Jets when he kind of, you know, he got them to two AFC Championship games at least, but he buried that team in cap hell. And it seems to be like that's what he's doing here in Miami. But let's go ahead and get into some of those needs for the Dolphins they have yeah, this offseason. And the first one that everyone, we, we talk about it every time, is the offensive line. The Dolphins have had, and I think it's kind of an NFL epidemic at this point too. I mean, most offensive lines are not very good. But the Dolphins have been lacking on the interior offensive line for as long as I can remember. And so who are some of the guys you would see as fits for the Dolphins in a zone-based scheme to kind of free things up for Kenyon Drake? Well, I've been critical of this team for a while because as much as any team in the league, they've ignored the guard position. And I get that. You know, like we just rattled off two names, James at right tackle, Pouncey at center, that are making a fortune. And Tunsil fell in their lap, and he's got gobs of ability. You would think he'll be your long-term left tackle, although he kind of struggled. But I really, I, I would have made that pick, too. So I can understand the team-building concept of I want to be strong at center and tackles, but they really ignore the guards. And I will say in their favor, not in their favor, but fortunately for them, this looks like a very deep and strong guard incoming class and they're not going to get Nelson but I don't and I don't think there's another guy to consider in the first round but I think you can find it if you're actually going to spend the pick on a guard 
in the second and third round. I mean, I think that there's some good players there. You know, James Daniels comes to mind. He's more of a center. Um, I'm, I'm just pulling up a list here so I don't miss anybody. Um, where am I at here? Austin Corbett, maybe the second, third round. Braden Smith from Auburn. It is a very good interior offensive line class. But were they, are they going to pull the trigger, or are they just going to continue to ignore it? History's kind of showed us they're going to continue to ignore it. Yeah, and Adam Gaze talks about the fact that the ball comes out in two and a half seconds in this league, and it's part of his mantra to not have those guys be invested in terms of high resources at those positions. So I hope it changes. It hasn't yet, but we'll see if it does. But let's go on to the outside part of the offensive line and more of the skilled players and talk about tight ends. And the Dolphins, you mentioned some bad contracts the Dolphins had signed some players to. And two of the guys that are on that list or that were on that list are tight ends. Julius Thomas was a train wreck. I hated that signing from the day it happened. And then Jordan Cameron, the same exact thing. Both were major busts. And now you're looking at A.J. Derby and Marquise Gray, the top two tight ends right now. And Gaze loves those three-by-one sets, gets the tight end isolated on the boundary to create those mismatches. So who are some guys that could come in and have an immediate impact for the Dolphins there? Yeah, and that's a great question. And I'm going to get to it in one second because I read a stat today and I just looked it up because I just want to tell your listeners this. When when we go back to the guard-slash-offensive line situation, I'm just going to read it verbatim real quick. Miami averaged 1.7 yards before contact yep. <laughs> per rush last season. The lowest in the NFL since the 2012 Steelers. I mean, that says a lot. I you mean, can, you're asking your running backs to do too much. And you can always tie back. You look at the last two years, Jay Ajayi and Kenyon Drake are both near the tops of the league in yards after contact, and that's exactly why right there. Yes. Yeah, right, right. Very well said. And you're right. I do think a gay staple that he wants to use and probably as a result has overpaid these guys – has taken leaps of faith on guys like Julius Thomas because he does want three-by-one sets. And would they go after a free agent like maybe Trey Burton? You know, he's an athletic move tight end in the Evan Ingram mold. He's not going to give you much as a blocker, but he's a good movement guy. Would their doctor sign off on Tyler Eifert? You know, I mean, there's some tight ends in this draft that are certainly fit the bill. Um, I don't think any are worthy of their first-round pick, but maybe Gashecki from Penn State, who just lit up the combine, is there in the second round. Hayden Hurst, I really like Dallas Goddard from South Dakota State. I don't think he'll be there in the second round. Ian Thomas is getting a lot of buzz right now, too, from Indiana. Really lit up the combine. Good spark guy. So there, w- there should be options. Mark Andrews is another from Oklahoma. Um, you mentioned, though, I mean – it's an, instru- it's an instrumental part of their, their team that just really has not been there. And if you're going to move away from Landry, which seems like a foregone conclusion, and that'll help the receiver situation too. And you talked about Tannehill being a fan off the top of the show, and I'm not used to hearing that response because I'm usually fighting uphill or upstream against that that uh, conversation there because I'm a big Tannehill fan. I think he's got a lot of good traits you can win with in this league. And one of the things that he does as well as anybody, and if you go over his passer rating on play action passing over the, the course of his career, his passer rating is higher than Russell Wilson's and Aaron Rodgers on play action. So getting those tight ends, those move tight ends that can kind of come across the formation on that play action naked boot, that's kind of what I want to see. And it kind of plays into what could happen in terms of a philosophy, a philosophy shift, easy for me to say, in terms of getting out away from Landry and going to more tight end sets. Could you see the Dolphins doing that, or is it going to be more of the same with the uh, the 11 personnel? 
No, I think that's a good, good way of looking at it, and maybe that can help your offensive line a little bit as well, get a little bit more of a run threat. Maybe they have they help that stat that I just mentioned with the running game. Um, and I like the play-action comments you made too because it made me immediately think of Shanahan with Atlanta and then San Francisco and then certainly McVay with the Rams and, and massaging the quarterback position and making their life a lot easier, you know, play action throws, half field reads. Uh, Tannehill's a very good quarterback. Boots and those type of things uh, absolutely needs to be staples of this. Yeah, I could not agree more. That's some invaluable information from Matt Williamson. He's at Williamson NFL on Twitter regarding the Dolphins' offense, which was an unmitigated disaster in 2017. But we still have the defense to get to here on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Lockdown Fins. And once again, we are joined by Matt Williamson of the Locked On NFL podcast at Will- Williamson NFL on Twitter. And Matt, Miami has the third highest paid defensive line in the league. You talked about some of the salaries on that line. Ndamukong Sue, Cam Waker, mainstays. They just brought over Robert Quinn from the Rams via a trade. And they have some impressive young defensive tackles in Jordan Phillips, Devon Godshaw, and Vincent Taylor. But there's a major void in terms of a run-stuffing presence on this defensive line. Are there any guys available that you could see fitting this aggressive one-gap style the Dolphins play on defense? Yeah, I mean, I think that I don't see it as big a need as you apparently do. I mean, they have so much invested in their defensive line, and I very much believe that Sue is a superstar. Um, You must be down on Phillips then. I guess I'm flipping this thrown in your direction. I mean, because that's kind of his gig, isn't it? Yeah, it can be. He's he's such a flashy player. He comes and goes, and he's in a contract here, so you might be able to get that out of him. And I I like the pieces they have in terms of depth. I just worry that Will Hayes was really solid last year for about seven games, and then he got Mm -hmm. hurt and the run defense fell apart. So I don't see a guy that is really a predominant run-stuffing defensive lineman on this group. Yeah, I mean, I guess you're right about that, but in today's NFL – that doesn't bother me so much. Okay. I mean, I'm looking at this defensive line like they're trying to pattern it after the Eagles. You know, like Fletcher Cox is their Sue. You know, they moved on on from Logan because he was kind of a run stuffer, replaced him with Jernigan, who's more of an upfield guy. You're going to bring it in waves. They're going to be really deep. They're going to have versatile guys. Maybe they can kick inside. So I think in today's NFL – if you're going to have a defensive line that's super high priced and, you know, like an Eagles or a Jags or Miami, that if you don't have the nose tackle type, I'm okay with that. You know, that um, being so-so against the run isn't the end of the world, but creating havoc against the pass is what makes the world go round nowadays. Totally fair. And you can also supplement the running game with the two safeties the Dolphins have. You talked about Rashad Jones and TJ McDonald, primarily box-heavy safeties. Let's go ahead and skip the next category and get into my last one I was going to talk about with you here and talk about the need for a back-end free safety type, a guy that can play some single high as well as the big nickel. Now, Matt, I have a major, major man crush on both Derwin James and Mika Fitzpatrick, as most people do, but I think both will be gone by pick 11. That's my opinion. Now, there's a guy later in the draft, Jordan Whitehead. He played with Miami's new assistant defensive backs coach in Ronaldo Hill at the University of Pittsburgh, where you used to work. Um, so do you sure. think do you think he has a fit in the, in the defense with the Dolphins here? And are there some other mid-round level types of guys the Dolphins could target to play that role? Yeah, and what's funny is because I do a lot of work with Steeler Nation Radio, and um, I want to get the linebackers, too, with Miami because the two biggest need in Pittsburgh are free safety, and speed and athleticism at the linebacker position, which is zero going down. So I've really concentrated on these two spots. 
And I've come to the conclusion that in terms of free agency and the draft, there's much more of a shortage of free safeties than there are strong. You know, that mm-hmm. it's better to have the need for the bigger guy. Um, there's a guy like Trey Boston in free agency who fits the bill. Um, the Reed kid from Stanford, I really, really like. Eric Reed's younger brother, he had a great camp um, or a, a great combine. Yep. And I don't know that he'll be there in the second round for Miami. Miami, again, kind of picks in an odd spot. Every, every, every position you've asked me about, I, mean, I keep saying, well, they don't really have a first-round target, yeah. and maybe this dude won't be around in the second, in the second round. Um, a name I think to remember is Wake Forest, Jesse Bates. He's much more of a free. Um, maybe Armani Watts, Texas A&M. I'm looking at second-day free safety types, and I think you're right. I mean, Minka and Derwin are not going to be there. Yeah, definitely um, let's, talk, let's, let's talk linebackers, though, for a minute. Yes, please. Uh, please get into it. I mean, for those – I mean, your fans know this. Mine might not. But at least you get Rackion McMillan back, okay? I mean, so – Somebody liked him enough to use a second-round pick on him last year. I think he's more of a run-stuffer, which is okay, especially after we just mentioned that the interior, the Dolphins' line, isn't great stuffing the run. Um, Timmons is making, and Alonzo are both making far too much money. People around here are hoping you guys cut Timmons, but I think it only saves you like a hundred, like a, a million or so. He, and he actually I, I've went been saying, when he went. Go ahead, he, no, go ahead. I'm sorry, Matt. When he went when he went AWOL for our first game, he wasn't around right. for the Chargers game. Uh, that actually voided the guarantee in his contract, so they can cut him scot free. Oh, okay. And I would imagine they will. Th- right? They're going to, yeah, absolutely. Yes, because Steeler fans want to pick him up. Of and course. I saying, <laughs> and I keep saying you can do better than that. I mean, like he doesn't help your speed problem. He's not going to, you know, be a shitsier replacement. But this is the one spot where maybe the first-round pick could be that linebacker. You know, if it's Tremaine Edmonds or Roquan Smith. And sometimes those guys fall a little. I mean, those guys have a lot of buzz around them. But, man, that would be a nice upgrade. Do you view either of those guys or both of them as three-down linebackers? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, because that's what the Dolphins absolutely. need. Because they, they have been getting killed in those matchup problems. You talked about Kiko Alonso. I mean, he just he got embarrassed so many times by, like, Christian McCaffrey or Travis Kelsey or whoever it was that he was tasked to cover. Oh. And they have him doing these, like, 10 to 12-yard spot drops in this zone defense. that just makes no sense to me. So I, I, I would love to get a guy that can come in and replace him and, and do his job for him. And, and I, another stat that I just ran across today, too, was – no team allowed more tight end receptions than the Dolphins last year. You can probably say that for the last 10 years or so going back. You're right. <laughs> it's not right. That seems Good to be point. the case. But anyway, hey, I really appreciate it. Again, he is Matt Williamson, former scout in the pros as well as college and at ESPN, currently with NDT Scouting and Fansided. He is the host of the Locked On NFL podcast at Williamson NFL. Matt, thanks again so much for doing it. Let's do it again soon. Yeah, this was a blast. I'm glad we got this done. Absolutely.